Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story involving snakes. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I ruined my ex-boss's marriage and life. I ruined my ex-boss's marriage. Today, he's divorced, jobless, and miserable, and I hear his wife is currently engaged to a business mogul. You know, now that I think about it, I wouldn't say I ruined it, he did. This happened two years ago at my current job, so it's quite recent. It started some years back when I was accepted to intern at an advertising firm. I'd always wanted to work in advertising, and when my friend sent a graphic flyer to my email, I was very excited about it. I knew I would be selected. I was doing very well in college and was almost done. My grades were good. I had the needed qualifications and creativity, and I knew just how to sell myself to the human resource team because that was what any great advertiser must know how to do, to sell stuff. When I went in for the second stage of the interview, the physical interview, the person who I found out later was the head of human resources was very impressed with my outfit. Something about your outfit is unique and beautiful. Can you tell me why you chose to wear this, he asked me. I replied to his question and, as I'd been taught, told a short story while at it. He smiled and that was when I knew that he was impressed with me. After the interview, one of the interviewers stood and clapped. I was so excited. That is easily one of the highlights of my career till this date. I knew that they would like me, but I didn't expect them to be that impressed with me. I thanked them and they of course asked me to look forward to their response. For a full week, I waited for an email from them. I was very frustrated at some point because it just was not coming, and I wasn't sure about sending them a reminder. On a Friday afternoon, I checked my computer and saw that I'd been offered a spot as an intern. I was happy. Not just because I was going to be learning the ropes of my dream job, but because it was a paid internship and it paid well. My mom was very happy for me. The morning of my first day at work, she sent flowers to the apartment I shared with my friends, some chocolate, and homemade cookies for my coworkers. My mom believed it was important to make a good, strong first impression, and what was a better way to make a strong impression than to have my new coworkers enjoy my mom's nicely baked cookies. I resumed work very happily. I was even happier to meet my coworkers. The team I was in was a team of seven, including the team leader. There were two interns, myself included, three permanent staff, the assistant team leader, and the team leader. I offered them my cookies and they took them and thanked me. The work environment looked good and they weren't all dressed in conventional office clothing. It was just the right environment for me. They also seemed like nice people. Everything was going great until it was not. The assistant team leader took an interest in me. He would help me through my tasks, encourage me to ask him questions, always offered to help, and sometimes would even buy me lunch. I was grateful for his help. I even told my friends and roommates about it. One of my friends was skeptical though. I think it's strange that he's buying you lunch though. I just don't trust that he has no other motives. I rolled my eyes at her. It wasn't unusual for my friend to be that skeptical. Perhaps if my other friend had said that, I'd have considered it, but 
this friend was too jaded with life and uninterested in seeing the positive sides to anything, so I just dismissed her concerns. He's just being a kind person. Plus, if he has other motives, then it's probably to make me give him a good review so he can be the next team leader. I heard that the team leader may be leaving soon. She shrugged. Maybe just stop accepting gifts from him? You don't want him to wake up someday and accuse you of leading you on, she warned. My other friend was irritated by my pessimistic friend. How are we friends with this person, she asked. Look, yes, sometimes people do stuff with hopes that they'd get something out of it, but he may just be trying to be nice. How about we just appreciate his good deeds and give him the benefit of the doubt, she said. Well, we can't say that he has bad intentions until he actually does something, I added. My pessimistic friend shrugged and ignored us. Just the week after that conversation happened, the assistant team leader showed that he was being nice for a reason. It was after close and I decided to stay back and finish a copywriting task my team leader assigned to me. I could have finished it at home, I wish I did, but my friend who was studying to be a clinical psychologist at the time had told us that the best way to make your home more relaxing was to keep work at work. I was at my desk working at the computer when I felt some hair on my neck. I had short hair at the time, so my neck was bare. I turned back in fear and saw my boss. He was standing so close to me that the hairs that touched my neck were his beard. I have a feeling that he was getting a whiff of my perfume when his beard touched me. He stood so close that when I turned around, our faces almost touched. I was alarmed. He smiled at me, but it wasn't the usual smile I'd seen him wearing. It was a mischievous grin. Why are you still here? He asked me. I had a task to finish, I replied, hoping he would take five steps back. I was too shocked to do anything, to tell him to move back a bit, and to this day I feel bad about not telling him off. Before I could turn back to continue working, he pulled me by the neck and pressed his lips on mine. I was terrified. I quickly pushed him away and spat out. He smiled again, the mischievous smile. Come on, are you teasing me? What was that? I asked angrily. His countenance changed. He looked confused. I thought you were feeling it too. I thought you liked me, he said in an accusatory tone. In that short time, I combed my brain to know exactly what way I'd behaved myself that would make him think that I liked him. I don't. Jeez, you're my boss, and did you not just get engaged? I asked. He looked embarrassed and apologized profusely. He swore that he thought we had an understanding, that I liked him just as he liked me. I'm sorry I misunderstood you. This will never happen again, he assured me. I was so naive at the time that I apologized for leading him on. He made me promise not to tell anyone, and I agreed immediately. Why would I want to tell anyone about that embarrassing incident anyway? I told my friends though, but when I did, both my pessimistic friend and the other one were convinced that he was up to no good. Even if he did think that something was going on, like a spark of sorts, he could have asked you if you were feeling him too and not just tried to kiss you. That is strange, the other one said. Why is he even trying to have a spark of any kind? He's your boss and you're just an intern at work. Shouldn't interns be a sort of romantic no-go area? I was confused, but since my boss had apologized and promised that it would never repeat itself, I didn't bother too much about it, nor did I try to tell anyone, not even my team leader at the time, who was a very understanding middle-aged woman. I wish I did though. Perhaps if I'd reported him to someone, he wouldn't have been able to cause me a setback as he did. When I resumed work after that weekend, 
I noticed that my boss was unusually cold toward me. He didn't greet me with a smile as usual or speak to me at all. I took it that he was simply too embarrassed about what had happened and simply went about my day. That week, I noticed that he would try to pick on me at meetings. He gave me heavier tasks and tighter deadlines too. I had to ask him what was going on. When I did, he looked at me like I had unicorn horns on my head. What are you talking about? He asked me. It just feels like you're punishing me, I told him. He said, listen, this is a workplace. If you're not ready to work, you may as well quit. You don't expect me to treat you specially from the other intern because I had feelings for you, do you? I opened my mouth, but nothing came out of it. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I asked you out and you declined and I respect that. I would rather not visit the topic again. How cunning, my friend exclaimed when I told her. Honey, you have a manipulative, terrible person on your hands. I sighed. I knew I did at that point. There was just something cold and calculative about his eyes when he spoke. The next Monday, my team leader invited us to her office for a brief meeting. I'm worried about you, she said to me before bringing the meeting to a close. When you first resumed work here, you were quite productive, but you slept on your tasks last week and didn't even finish the one assigned to you on Thursday. She paused. What's going on? The assistant team leader chuckled. Perhaps she's become too comfortable here and doesn't think she has to impress anyone. He said it casually as though it was a joke, but a serious one. The team leader was not humored though. I hope that's not what this is, my team leader said sternly. I'm afraid you have to impress us if you intend to keep a job here, or even get a good recommendation. I was hurt by what she said, but I thanked her and she dismissed the meeting. As we went out of her office, I noticed a smirk on his face. It was deliberate. He was out to sabotage me. All through that week, my tasks were deeply scrutinized, and he complained about the littlest thing. I was frustrated, and it started to affect my behavior at work. I walked around on eggshells and was not as productive at work. The other intern in the team and I were talking one day when she admitted to me that she and the assistant team leader had hooked up in the office bathroom one evening. That made me realize that it was not that he liked me, he was just a sick pervert. One day, one of the staff was carrying a file to HR, but the team leader needed her so she asked me to help. On my way to human resources, I took a look at the file and saw that intern review was boldly written on it. I decided to take a look at it. I snuck into the bathroom and read the reviews about me. Every member of the team had to write something. The assistant team leader, of course, gave a terrible review. It wasn't just that he gave a terrible review, he also worded it in such a crafty way. He was very selective with words to use to ensure that I was not retained at the firm. I braced myself and went to HR to drop the files. A week later, I was not retained by the firm, but the other intern was. The head of HR invited me to his office and offered me another internship spot in a different team. He said he believed that I could be useful to the firm, but maybe in a different team. I was hurt. The team I was in was where I fitted in the most, but it was either that or I left the firm totally. So I took another eight months of internship. While that was going on, the assistant team leader got married. The team leader left and he became the new team leader. I was miserable, but I planned just how to get back at him. I got his home phone number from one of the ladies on the team I was in. She innocently gave it to me when I told her that I was going to have a cake delivered to his home for his wife's birthday party. I called his house that day and his wife picked up the phone. I said nothing and hung up. 
I did this for some days, but one day, when I called again, she asked, Who are you? I answered and introduced myself to her as her husband's co-worker. I told her all that her husband had done. Surprisingly, she just said, Okay, thank you, and hung up. At the time, the firm was on fire for a controversial advert they'd made for a brand. The press had a lot to say, and many clients were contemplating dropping the firm as their advertising agency due to the negative pressure from different quarters. I sent an email to an investigative journalist, telling them about what my former boss had done. The journalist published it alongside an article about the controversial post, keeping me anonymous. The firm had to fire him. They couldn't help it even if they wanted to. They had to throw him out after their private investigations showed that he had made a habit of wooing naive junior staff and ghosting them later on. Some other interns who were not retained in the firm sent emails to the journalists telling them about their experiences with him. His wife refused to comment on the matter, and she replied with divorce papers. My former boss went from being a team leader in a top advertising firm to being jobless and separated from his wife, who had caught him cheating in the past and was tired of his constant infidelity. Not only did I get revenge, but I also helped many other girls get justice too. I've since requested HR to return to the team I was in, and it was approved. I've also been retained by the firm, and I look forward to being a team leader myself someday. I definitely think it's very brave what OP did here. For you to have to experience that and still be working in that company, praying that you don't get fired so you don't stunt your career growth. For you to go and share your story to a journalist for the intention of publishing it, whether you're anonymous or not, that's a big step. But it proved helpful for a lot of people. Our next story is, sister broke my new MacBook, so I put snakes in her bubble bath. The story I'm about to share happened a few weeks ago, and till now, I don't think a better revenge fantasy has ever been... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Carried out. I mean, snakes in a bathtub? It's something I've always been thinking about because I'm a writer, and it's something I've always been trying to implement into one of my stories. I know talking about it like this might sound somewhat psychotic, but it's not, I assure you. All I'm saying is that I had a good plan, and I carried it out to perfection. And while I'm still grounded because of it, I'd say it brought the desired result, so a win is a win. Till today, I still don't know why my older sister Bree picks on me. Seriously, I have nothing that she would want. She's the more beautiful daughter, she has tons of friends, she's the assistant captain of the Glee Club, and her boyfriend looks like the younger version of Channing Tatum. The only thing I have going for me is my books and poems, which everybody else thinks are too dark. Anyways, for some reason, Bree doesn't like me, and instead of leaving me alone like most other people, she decided that it wasn't enough, and she kicked her bullying up a notch by breaking my new MacBook. Well, I retaliated, and it was good. But let's start with how I got the new laptop. A few months before Christmas, I decided to take my writing more seriously. Before that time, I'd only been writing poems and short stories for my amusement, but when I started my freshman year of high school, I started hanging out with a new circle of friends. We were talking about a literature assignment one time during lunch break, and they were all complaining that it was impossible to come up with a seven-line poem before the next class. I told them that it was pretty easy, which they didn't believe. After a round of argument, my friend Max decided to settle it with a bet. I was to make a poem with any topic of their choice, and if I could, I won. So I agreed. They gave me a title. I really can't remember now because it was so long ago, but it sounded like a 90s movie title, and to their utmost surprise, I wrote them a poem and won the bet. Max was really surprised with how good I was with literature, and before the lunch break ended, she made me write another poem with the title, Love and All That's Lost. During our walk back to class, I explained that fiction and literature creativity came easy to me, and I've written a bunch of stories. They had to beg till the end of the school day before I agreed to bring my drafts the next day. When I did, they were blown away by my work. They told me how amazing it was and how I was like a younger Shakespeare. I'm not the kind of person that allows compliments and flattery to get to her head, but that was the first real compliment I've ever gotten. My friends in middle school think literature is dumb, and I was dumb for liking it. My parents think I use vile words and that I should tune it down a bit. And my sister? Well, she didn't care much for literature. But instead of saying that or not saying anything at all, she decided to tease me about it and call me a dumb geek. Anyways, I thanked my friends and while we were having lunch, Sophie asked me if I'd published any books on Amazon or if I was working on any. I said no and explained that I only wrote when I was bored. And besides, I didn't think people will get my writing style. She told me to give it a try and see how it was going to go. After a moment... I said okay. I wasn't really planning to do anything at the time because the writing was hard and I was just settling into high school. And I had lots of schoolwork to do. 
At least that was what I told myself. In truth, I was only making excuses because, at the time, I was sure that my friends were only complimenting me to make me feel good about myself. I wasn't about to test that theory with a bunch of strangers online. A few weeks went by, and then a few more, and one day Sophie asked me out of the blue if I'd written anything new. I told her that I was still working on it. I expected it to end there, but it didn't. She asked me if she could see the draft I was working on and had no choice but to tell her that I hadn't started. They both asked me why, and I wanted to blame it on school and how much work I had to do, but instead I told them the truth. I wasn't sure that I was that good a writer, and I didn't want to find out from internet trolls. They both nodded their understanding, and after a while they suggested that I try Wattpad with one of my old drafts, just to see what people thought. I said sure. That same day I created an account and uploaded my first story. A few weeks went by and I actually had a lot of reads and likes. It was very encouraging to see that other people aside from my friends liked my work. That day I promised my friends that I was going to start working on something serious. Before that day, I didn't have a laptop. All I had was my phone and I knew that if I was going to be serious about writing, I needed to get one. On my way home, while Max and Sophie were rambling on and on about who liked who, which Jacques they thought was hot, the only thing I had in mind was how I was going to tell my parents to get me a laptop. Brie had a laptop, but I was sure that there was no way in heck that she was going to let me borrow it, so when I got home, I waited till dinner to tell them about my request. Before I did, I made sure to laugh at my dad's jokes and compliment my mom's new hairstyle. Eventually, I popped the question, and they instantly replied with a question of their own. What for? I had to explain how I love writing and why I thought it was something worth exploring, and I couldn't do it without a laptop. Bree snickered and laughed all through, as I explained, but I paid her no heed. Eventually, they looked at themselves and probably telepathically talked to themselves for a second. Then they looked back at me and turned me down. They said that I was doing well in school and writing was just going to be a distraction. That was absurd. I wasn't just doing well in school, I was one of the top tier students in my class, and the writing was just going to help me get even better. I made my argument, and they told me that they didn't have enough money to buy me a laptop at the time. I got so pissed, and I accused them of not supporting my writing, then stormed off to my room. I decided that night that I wasn't going to rely on them. If I wanted something, I had to get it myself. So that next weekend, I went around my neighborhood and told people that I was starting a new dog walking business. I was going to help them walk their dogs two times a week. I got some new customers immediately because I was charging below the normal rate and I started the business. While it was kind of tough from the onset because I didn't have a dog and I didn't know how to walk them, but I learned on the job. Another few weeks went by and I calculated all the money I'd made dog walking. It wasn't enough for the MacBook I wanted to buy. My friends added some of their money but still it wasn't enough. It was December already and because of the holidays I wasn't getting dog walking gigs anymore. I had totally given up on the laptop when on Christmas morning my parents woke me up to check out my presents. I wasn't really feeling like it, but after a few minutes of nudging, I decided to go downstairs with them. They handed me my gift, and I started to unwrap it. My sleepy eyes blinked open when I saw the Apple logo, and I could not contain my surprise. My mouth fell off its hinges, and I looked at my gift and then back to them. 
They apologized for not taking me seriously the first time, and because of how hard they saw me work, they decided to get me the laptop. I thanked them and immediately went to set it up. A few moments after, I'd uploaded all my drafts to the laptop, Bree barged into my room, eyeing my laptop with so much jealousy in her eyes. Apparently, she had asked our parents to get her the new iPhone 14, but they told her to get her grades up first. But seriously, I can't see any reason why she would want the new iPhone 14. She got the 13 Pro Max not more than a few months ago. After that day, Bree, who had always been hostile to me, decided to be even more hostile to me. She would bump into me on purpose and yell at me for not watching where I was going. She would tease me for being a wannabe Nora Roberts. It got so bad to the extent that I started to doubt the fact that she was truly my sister. But all this wasn't that bad compared to what she did next. It was a Saturday afternoon and I'd just finished my first draft for the story I wanted to put up on Amazon and I was planning to send it to Sophie for review after I was done editing all the typos. Out of the blue, Bree stormed into my room and showed me her phone. The screen was broken and she accused me of breaking it. Before I could defend myself, she grabbed hold of my laptop and stormed out of the room. I told her to stop and that I had nothing to do with her phone screen breaking. She said that she didn't believe me, because in her words I've had it out for her ever since I got a new MacBook. That didn't make sense at all and I pointed it out to her. What reason could I possibly have to break her phone? It just didn't sound right. But Bree wasn't listening. She continued to yell and gesticulate wildly when my laptop slipped off of her hand over the balcony and into the living room. The floor was made with tile and not carpet, so it snapped into two on impact. I felt my heart break with the laptop as I watched some of the keys fly off the board. The only thing I could think of at that moment was, crap, did I save my work? I turned to Bree and without a thought, I lunged for her, trying to beat my anger out of her. The bout lasted for a few minutes till mom and dad came out of their room to separate us. They grounded us both for fighting, even though I explained to them that she smashed my laptop. They couldn't take action because Bree also accused me of breaking her phone. I knew in my heart that Bree broke her phone by herself and she just used it as an excuse to break my laptop, but I couldn't prove it. The next Monday, I got to school and explained what happened to my friends. They both agreed that she was jealous about my new laptop and that was why she did what she did. Sophie asked me how I was planning to get back to writing and I told her that I was working on it. I still had some of the money I'd saved up for the laptop the year before and if I do a couple more dog walks I was going to be fine. After that was settled, Max asked me how I was going to get my revenge. Till that moment I wasn't really thinking about it but when she mentioned it the concept started to get interesting. I told her I didn't know because I wasn't planning anything, but Max was the master of all things pranks, so she started to give me a list of options. Eventually she said something about snakes. That was when I remembered a short story I wrote about someone finding snakes in her bathtub. Bree likes to take bubble baths on Saturday evenings, and Max's brother Ilian had a pet snake. It was perfect. We all decided that we were going to have a sleepover that weekend at my place. And when she was distracted, Sophie or Max will slip the snake into the bathtub, giving her the scare of her life. That Saturday evening, they arrived as planned. 
Max was kind of pissed off because she had to promise her brother her lunch money for the week just to take his snake out for the night. After dinner, we headed up to the room pretending to do some normal slumber party stuff. We left the door open to see when Bree was going to walk past to the toilet. Eventually she did and we jumped into action. We waited till she prepared the bath, then Sophie barged into the bathroom asking her if she had a makeup set we could use. As expected, Bree said no and tried to send her away, but Sophie was adamant. She begged and pleaded till it became really annoying that Bree had no choice but to leave the bathroom to hand her a makeup set. That bought Max and me enough time to slip into the bathroom and dump the snake into the water. Bree walked back into the bathroom and we stood just outside the door to hear what was going to happen. It took close to three minutes before Bree realized that there was something in the water. And when she did, she screamed at the top of her voice that it sent our parents running up the stairs and into the bathroom. There Bree was, sitting in a corner of the bathroom, knees curled to her stomach. She was shaking so violently that it became impossible for me not to laugh. We wanted to deny having anything to do with the incident in the first place, but the laughter gave us away. I was grounded for a month. I have no regrets though. Seeing the look on Bree's face made it all worth it. This is definitely a crazy level of revenge, especially if OP's sister had like a severe phobia of snakes. But I couldn't help but feel concerned for the pet snake throughout this whole situation. Are they even able to comfortably be in water? They're in a bubble bath, there's a bunch of chemicals there too. And also like, what if Bree freaked out and was like thrashing around and smacked and like crushed the snake or something? Was the snake okay? I need to know. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.